All right, guys, here we go. It's podcast time. We got the camera going again. I'm going to get this thing figured out eventually. Hopefully, it's going to be this time. Last time, um, put my headphones on. Um, you know, the last one I tried to do, I recorded and did the, the Hero 4 over here, the GoPro. <clears throat> got it all, finally got it all figured out on the uh, Premiere Pro CC. 2018 edition that I got downloaded uh, Adobe software and um, got it all synced together looked perfect on the computer perfect on the computer and um, got it all exported which takes forever it takes forever to, to do a double pass and encode it and do all this kind of stuff that it's supposed to do to try and get it to upload to whatever social media you're trying to upload it to which is YouTube for me so I did all that got it exported took forever to import or upload onto YouTube. Finally, I wake up um, after having it running all night. I wake up and it says completed. <clears throat> and I'm like, I hit the publish button. I'm like, yes, I finally figured it out. And then I go to open up the file. There's no audio. I got all this great video. The video looks fantastic. I like the angle I got, same angle I got going on right now with the on-air sign. I got the craft conversations on the TV. The poster, my kids up here, my basic training photo, you know, all this cool stuff. At least I think it's cool. Maybe it's not cool. I don't know. But, um, yeah, get all that, and it looks like a silent movie from the 20s or something. <laughs> because there's no, there's no audio. So, who knows, man. I'm going to figure it out eventually. I'm one step closer, two steps closer, five steps, maybe ten. Well, a lot of steps closer, let's just put it that way. Um, you know the biggest, you know the biggest problem I have about running this, running the show solo, is when I have to drink something, whether it's water or whether it's this beer I got sitting here waiting on me to open. I'm gonna do that uh, right off the jump here, but whenever I take a sip, I have to wait to process it, swallow it, get it down, and there's a little silence there. <clears throat> but you know. You can't be afraid of the silences. You know, everybody gets afraid of all these, uh, what they call uncomfortable silences. I don't even know why it's uncomfortable. I mean, we have pauses in life. Um, it's not just a constant running audio or video of life. It doesn't just go nonstop. There are pauses. There are places where there are silence. And sometimes the silent spots are where the comfort is. You know, people call it uncomfortable silence, and I, I just don't get it. <clears throat> kind of talked a little bit about it yesterday uh, when I was out with uh, someone that I met. And, um, yeah, I don't know why it has to be uncomfortable. Embrace the silence. Enjoy the silence, right? I think there's even a song about that. Who the hell sings that song? Leia. Who sings that song? Yeah, I got Leia here in the, uh, in the studio with me. She's probably going to get a little crazy every now and then. You might hear her kind of shake her head and her ears would flap up against her her noggin and you'll hear it flapping so if, if you hear something like that that sounds like a bird uh, flying across the room that's just Leia shaking her head and her ears beating her to death but she's been running around kind of tossing her toy now she's trying to get her bed situated just to the perfect um, um, you know instead of, she doesn't like it being flat she has to kind of dig at it and get it to kind of bunch up and get it into a certain way that she likes it. So <clears throat> I think she's got it. 
what are we gonna? Oh, we're gonna open a beer. So let me pull up my um, untapped here. So tonight I am going to drink a Boone Creek Blonde by Appalachian Mountain Brewing Company. It's a blonde ale. Appalachian Mountain Brewery is up in Boone, North Carolina. And this is a 4.7% ABV. It's got 19 IBUs, which we haven't talked about it in a while, but that's an international bittering unit. And the average rating on this is a 3.6. An ode to the American Blonde. This award-winning light-bodied ale is a beer for all seasons. The Boone Creek Blonde is brewed with orange zest to add additional citrus notes to complement the light hop aroma. The clean and crisp mouthfeel is followed by just a hint of sweetness from local North Carolina wildflower honey. While best enjoyed by a cool mountain river in the summer, <clears throat> this blonde is delicious no matter where and no matter when. You could say a honey badger doesn't give a shit. And they put a little ellipsis there, a little dot, 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 instead of saying shit, but I knew what they were saying, so said it. I don't care. This uh, podcast is explicit. <clears throat> ate some, uh, ate an omelet, three egg omelet before I started the show with uh, some spinach, some uh, Havarti cheese, uh, a little minced garlic, and uh, cooked it in coconut oil. And I threw a couple jalapenos from my garden in the back. So it's got me a little flummy right now. Those jalapenos were a little, uh, a little spicy today. But here we go. We're going to pour this uh, AMB Boone Creek Blonde Ale. And the glass I got is not, I don't think it's a 12 ounce glass, so I'm going to have to kind of pour this a couple times, but yeah, Boone, North Carolina, man, I, I think I think we've talked about it before on the podcast, but <clears throat> I've been going up there probably since I was, you know, time gets away from you and your memory kind of skews things uh, somewhat, you don't always remember things exactly the way they went, excuse me, with the time frames or whatever, but I believe I was, um, I believe I started going up there when I was about five years old. My grandparents on my father's side, they um, had purchased a mountain house up there. Went through numerous ones, actually. A couple of them we went back, even went back to. But <clears throat> I think I remember there was one, two, um, three for sure that I think they owned throughout the years and then I think there was one that we rented at one point uh, my parents and the and in our family that we had rented because the the other mountain house wasn't available so we rented one down the street in the same uh, subdivision I guess you could say it, it was it was a resort at, at the at the uh, onset so <clears throat> anyway they owned a mountain house up there my grandparents and they just allowed family to go up there and use it throughout the years. So if nobody was up there using it, you put in a request and say, hey, I want it for this weekend, for this week, for these two weeks, during the summer, during the winter, whatever. And they would allow you to go up and, and utilize the house. And, you know, if somebody already had it reserved, you could talk to those people, you know, if it was an aunt, uncle, brother, sister, whatever, and say, hey, we'd like to come up there too. You got room for us. And, you know, sometimes you might go up there and have a little powwow with the some other members of your extended family so <clears throat> it's a good time i you know some of my fondest memories growing up are going to boone north carolina that's where i learned how to snow ski uh, my uncle frederick was a ski instructor and on the ski ski patrol as well and i think um i think my uncle richard might have been as well maybe even my uncle jimmy i think all of them might have somehow been 
involved with the ski patrol or the, um, the ski instruction school at one time or another. And this was at a place called Mill Ridge Ski Resort. It's no longer a ski resort. It's still Mill Ridge. It's still a, a, a subdivision there in Boone, in the mountain town of Boone. But, um, yeah, it used to be a ski resort. So that's where I learned how to ski my, uh, myself, my older brother, Bruce. Kevin never did for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why Kevin not, didn't get into skiing. I mean, the entire family was. Oddly enough, my parents uh, did not ski either. But all my uncles did, my grandfather did, my grandmother did at one point. I never saw them ski while I was growing up, but I know they did um, prior to that. So it was just a, a family thing. But again, I don't know why my parents didn't. I think my, my dad may have tried. I don't even know if my mom even tried to get on skis, but <clears throat> I loved it. I mean, we would go up there every winter, sometimes multiple times during the winter, uh, we would definitely go in the summers as well, sometimes in the fall. So we try and, you know, hit the hit the mountain house two or three times a year, just a nice vacation for the family. But growing up, going skiing, man, that was some of the fondest memories I've got as a child, for sure. And, you know, we did quite a few things, um, beach-wise and coastal, whatever, but to go up to the mountains and to get away from the, the coastal living and to go just somewhere different and somewhere that you just, you don't live, you don't see every day, something new, something fresh. Um, there was something exciting about that. And we'd go up there and we'd ski and we'd, uh, you know, the mountain house, <clears throat> it was in walking distance at a ski resort. So the, um, the place had uh, multiple sets of skis, multiple sets of boots. And over the years, of course, they evolved, you know, as the equipment got better and got the technology got better, they evolved. But uh, just a lot of old ski equipment up there, and we just, um, you know, we we everything was kind of a hand-me-down. You you would use hand-me-down skis, hand-me-down boots that you know, as long as you could fit into them. Uh, sometimes you might have to rent them at the ski resort, but uh, most times they had plenty of equipment there that everybody kind of fit into. Or if you didn't quite fit into it, you just made it fit. Um, we shared bibs, we shared pants, we shared just uh, gloves, hats, uh, mittens face um scars i don't even know what they're called face um whatever but we just shared everything everything was right there in the house <clears throat> you'd grab your gear um i didn't even use poles when i started off skiing as a young kid i just had skis and boots and that was it had a great um one piece little bib suit that uh looked like the captain america captain america was one of my favorite uh, superheroes growing up so i had a captain america bib that I used to wear, thought I was cool, uh, but we'd go up, we'd walk up to the ski resort, my brother and I, maybe an uncle would be working, uh, mom or dad would go up there and sit in the lounge, in the lodge, and, and just kind of watch us, <clears throat> a real small ski resort, had uh, one lift that went up to the top, you could either take uh, take a right coming off the lift, and you could go down a, a slope called Go For It, which was what they considered their kind of black diamond, uh, real short run, but super steep just straight down <clears throat> nothing technical about it whatsoever just some moguls some bumps but mainly it was just the the steepness of it <clears throat> you could take a left and i couldn't tell you what the name of the runs were but they had uh, a couple different shoots that uh, one long run that you could take around or a couple of shoots that you could offshoot down and they all kind of uh, merged up into this one big bowl at the bottom and then you got back on the lift and you went back up they also had a, a tiny little bunny slope if you're looking out of the lodge, they had a tiny little bunny slope to the right, and they had a, 
a tow bar <clears throat> that you'd actually pull up to, you'd grab onto this bar, hold on to it, and settle in, kind of get your knees knees down a little bit, and it'd pull you up this little little trail. I can't tell you how many times starting off that uh, that thing would just throw me to my on my ass. I don't know why. That was so difficult to to grab that thing, and then just to, when it would jerk you, it kind of just pull you off course, off center for a second, and you'd fall over. You'd have to shimmy off to the side, let the people come by you. You get back in line, grab the tow rope again, and try not to fall down the next time and get up to the top, and then you know shoot off and just come down the bunny slope. And do it again. And then once you got proficient at that, you took a chance and went to the to the two man, uh, two seater. Um, chairlift that took you up to the top and next thing you know you're you're going to the big leagues up there so great times up there in Boone so with all that said this is uh from Boone North Carolina this uh Blonde Creek Boone Creek Blonde mm. got the honey right off the nose um as I was taking it up to take a sip big time on the honey on the mouthfeel as well on the tongue I'm not getting a lot of the orange. <clears throat> Maybe a subtle bit of orange, but I'm not sure what the date is on this. Um, it says July, so it's, it's fairly fresh, but um, I'm not getting a lot of the orange, but maybe it's not supposed to be that um, prominent. But it's definitely the the honey. And, you know, they mentioned the honey a couple times in there, so I think that's what they were going for. It's pretty good. I mean, I would probably... Go about the same thing that the that the untapped says, maybe a three point six. Again, I don't know how they come up with three point six because you can only rate three point five and three point seven five. So how they get three point six in the middle? Who knows, man. Um, well, yeah, <clears throat> who knows? I don't know, but I like it. It's pretty good. Nice and light, easy drinking. But um, Boone, North Carolina, I'm planning on going up there in a couple weeks. I love it. You know, they had that mountain house up there for probably, I'm 45, <clears throat> excuse me. And when I came, so if I started at five, right, so you subtract five, so that's 40 years. And then I came back here four years ago. So I want to say 36 years maybe they had that mountain house. And they could have had it before I started going up there. So I don't know how long they had it before I started going up. But I think it was re- I think it was fairly recent that they had bought it once we started going up there. So 36, 37 years, I guess. Um, it's just fantastic. You know, and then we go up during the summertime and it was a totally different topography. Not same topography, but totally different weather and climate. Um, always pretty mild. Sometimes it got a little warm, but pretty mild. We do a lot of hiking. We'd go out on the streams, uh, walk up and down the creeks. There was a stream that ran really, um, right underneath one of the houses that we had, you know, the one they just recently sold a few years back, but there was definitely a creek that, uh, went alongside, as soon as you went drove into Mill Ridge, there was a little bridge that went over the creek and it kind of went around and went both directions and went around both sides of the of Mill Ridge there. We'd spend a lot of time in the creek just walking on the rocks and through the water and uh, trying to catch some fish or whatever, uh, skipping rocks, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. And then we'd do a lot of hiking. They had some uh, falls, uh, had Linville Caverns, Linville Falls that we would frequent. 
probably the the biggest thing we did during the summertime was uh, Grandfather Mountain, and it was a it was a grandmother and a grandfather mountain, but Grandfather Mountain was more prominent. You could see the features better. So, at a certain spot, when uh, driving down, um, I think it's Highway 105, you look over to your left <clears throat> as you're driving down to Grandfather Mountain. You look over your left out your left window, and you can see the mountain. And you just see, you know, the humps of the mountain kind of create the pic- the picture of a face. So it looks like a grandfather. They call it Grandfather Mountain. So we would go up there pretty much every any summer that we went up. That was the request. Hey, can we go to Grandfather Mountain? And we'd go up there and we would hike. Uh, Bruce and I would hike that thing. Just oh man, the greatest hikes ever. And the the terrain, the single track, the the rocks that you had to kind of mountaineer. And some points they had some ladders built in certain areas that were just hard to traverse so they put some ladders up you had some ropes some places that you had to pull yourself up or lower yourself back down you know when you reversed and came back down so just fantastic time we'd go up there and do that they had a a mile high swinging bridge that was a mile high and um, it was kind of just a cable bridge that you walked across to go over to this other mountain peak and Man, I loved it. My mom didn't like it. My younger brother didn't like it. They were both kind of afraid of heights. And Bruce and I would just run across it, and we'd be shaking the bridge and just kind of causing it to, to shimmy and shake. And then over the years, they put up more cables and more supports and got a little less, you know, maneuverable, so it wasn't quite as fun. But um, that was fantastic. And then once you got over the other side of the, the Mile High Swinging Bridge, there was a launching pad section for hang gliders and i wanted to do that my entire youth every time we went up there as my mother was saying be careful stay away from the edge don't do this don't go over there uh stay away from the from the sides and the whole time i would be asking mom hey mom when am i going to be able to hang glide off of this mountain when am i going to be able to hang glide off this mountain when am i going to be able to hang glide and she never did let me hang glide and as I got older, I decided I didn't really want to hang glide anymore. So, um, you know, I went up there um, with my buddy Jimmy Fox after we uh, both graduated high school, and that's where we went to celebrate graduating high school. We uh, took a vacation up there for about a week and stayed in the mountain house, and we went to Grandfather Mountain. And I could probably, I, I should have hang, hang glided right then um, as a graduation gift to myself. I should have hang glided, and I might not be here right now, but. I think it would have been a blast. I don't know if I could have done it. I say I could have, you know, leapt off the side of the mountain with the some wings attached to me, but who knows? And I'm really not interested in doing it at this point in my life. If somebody asked me and they said, "Hey, it's free, and you want know, you come hang glide with me or jump off a mountain," I might, I might possibly do it, but it's not something I'm looking to do. I'm not trying to go out and do that. But <clears throat> what was I getting to? Um, so we go up there in the summers. We do Grandfather Mountain. There was also a place called uh, Tweet. I don't even know. I wasn't going out on any of these rants. Um, I didn't even do any ads up front, but I've kind of gotten away from the ads. I don't know why. I just kind of go right into whatever. And you don't care about any of this either. I'm talking to myself kind of, almost. But I just wanted, I just saw this Appalachian Mountain Brewery. They're now being uh, distributed down here to Somerville. And I just saw them on the shelf. And I said, you know what? I'll pick up one of those guys. And that'll be something I can talk about is uh, my time up in Boone. Uh, when I came back, I, re, you know, I got divorced. 
<clears throat> in May of 2013. I retired in September of 2013. Uh, decided to come back to Somerville in uh, May of 2014. And one of the first things I did when I got back to town, because, you know, I was, I was kind of in a difficult uh, place in my head. One of the first things I did is I said, hey, man, I'm just going to, I'm going to take off. If you guys can watch my dog, you know, my dog Sophie at the time. If you guys can watch my dog, because um, I didn't know how she would react. I've never taken her up there. I should have taken her with me, but you guys can watch my dog. I'm just going to go up to Boone <clears throat> to the mountain house and um, just take a break and decompress and relax, you know, especially after the long trip and whatever and the divorce and the retirement, all this stuff. So I just went up there and took a break. <clears throat> Unbeknownst to me that, you know, my grandmother was um, 92 at the time, I guess, when I came back from Las Vegas when I retired. So um, failing health, you know, not doing very well, still fairly independent, still living in, in her own house there in Columbia, but not doing real well. They were having to start to pay for someone to come in and kind of look after her during the day and stay with her and make sure she didn't fall. You know, she fell uh, once or twice and broke a hip and whatever. She had kind of a little bum uh, bum arm that she had trouble kind of walking with the, with the walker or the cane. So anyway, long story, um, my dad was... Uh, trying to sell the mountain house because, you know, we had to come up with some cash to kind of help pay medical bills and things like that. So when I went up there, I was like, man, instead of moving back to Somerville and trying to find something to do there, my plan was, you know, I'm sitting out on the deck one day, perfect weather. I mean, I guess it was mid, it was early summer. I don't even think it was summer yet. I think it was still, still spring. But I'm sitting out on this huge deck of the of this house, just fantastic house. Uh, it's got one, two, <clears throat> three, four bedrooms in it. Had two baths, uh, nice loft with uh, the two bedrooms up top, two bedrooms down below. Fantastic little uh, family area, a little tiny dining room, pretty decent sized kitchen. Had a huge, um, a huge glassed-in porch you know, that you could heat and, and climate control. And then it had a nice outside deck right outside of that that overlooked the two ponds. Uh, you had ducks out there. You had the mountain views. You had the old ski resort over here to the left. You had a pool um, probably about 50 or 75 yards in front of you. Uh, tennis courts, uh, volleyball courts, just anything you could need. I mean, it was a resort area, and it had all these amenities. And I'm sitting there on the on outside porch, and I'm just contemplating life. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my post Air Force career. Uh, I was doing some writing. I was I was I was up there. You know, it's just nice and peaceful. Got plenty of time to kind of just relax and and be with your thoughts <clears throat> and enjoy those uncomfortable silences we talked about because they're comfortable. And I started saying to myself, "Man, why don't I just..." Um, buy this house you know my my grandmother needs the money uh or at least my parents thought so and my uh my aunts and uncles they're selling it anyway um i'd like to keep it in the family i'd like to still have a place for my kids to come to and their kids and grandkids and whatever um i'd like to keep something up here in the family that um that we can just keep passing down and letting people utilize 
and I thought long and hard about it. And I said, man, I could just work up here. I could find a job. I could do physical therapy. I could bartend. I could find something to do. I could work at the college. Uh, Appalachian State University is there. They were, uh, you know, selling the place for, for dirt cheap. Um, they were just trying to just get their money back out of it. I mean, I could have got a great deal on it, uh, real estate-wise. <clears throat> and I could have just lived in Boone, North Carolina. Um, I didn't have a car at the time that would work for that. I, I have my 1983 Toyota Super that we've talked about numerous times that I still have. And um, I could have definitely found something else because I definitely, I couldn't have lived with that car up there during the summertime. Yeah, it's a fun car to drive around those mountain roads, but I would have had to have something else, uh, all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive or something. But So I don't know. The stars just didn't align at the time. I didn't uh, want to have to get a new vehicle. Um, I was kind of scared, to be honest with you, to, to go out and, and just move to Boone all by myself and not have the support of family and all this stuff after all this life-changing events that just happened to me so anyway i didn't buy it i sometimes look back and say man i wish i would have but there's other houses up there but there's just there was just a lot of memories in that house that i wish i could have um and, and they're still there they're still in my head so it wasn't the house that had the memories the memories are, are with me so but still just to be able to go to that house and, and walk through certain rooms and, and certain times of the day and just, you know, sometimes you go to places like that and you can just, you can just close your eyes and you can hear um, the other people there. You can, you know, you can hear your grandmother, you can hear your grandfather, you can hear the laughter, you can hear the stories that are being told, you can, you can remember the the board games that were being played you can you can smell the the food cooking on a grill outside on the porch you can smell the breakfast cooking in the morning just i don't know just having the house i think would have even more impact and more memory to it but you know the memories are in your head so you don't need a house you know right then i just went back and i'm sitting right here in my house in somerville so you can you can go back and, and relive those memories without that uh, without that house, and that's kind of going along with this minimalism thing. You know, I'm I'm struggling with um, getting rid of some things. I, I just got rid of uh, all my military uniforms today, and I struggled with that hard. I'm like, I remember when I got some of my grandparents' military memorabilia that I still have downstairs, and I'm I'm gonna have to try and figure out what I do with that as well, but just to get some of those things, some paperwork or some medals or um, <clears throat> some pictures or a uniform or, you know, just the smell of a uniform that my grandfather, you know, maybe wore in a, in a bomber plane that he used to pilot. Um, those things are memorable, but again, they're just, they're just articles of clothing. They're just pieces of clothing. They're not the memory itself. The memory is in your head. So you can go back there anytime you want to. So I struggled with that a little bit. I said, man, I, I really think I should pass these things down. But what I did is I texted my kids and I said, hey, do you guys care about any of this stuff? I mean, are you guys going to want this stuff or can I get rid of it? Are you going to be mad if, if, if I pass away and you don't have uh, something to remember me by? And they were like, no, get rid of it. Man. We don't need it because they're doing this whole minimalist thing too. So, 
So I got rid of that stuff today, as a matter of fact. You know, it's been sitting there, what, a couple podcasts ago, three podcasts ago, I talked about cleaning out my closet and um, all the four giant trash bags I had sitting there, 33-gallon or 40-gallon trash bags. Well, they've been sitting on my floor in my bedroom ever since then because I was waiting to clean out my dresser, which I had four dresser drawers full of um, T-shirts. I now have one drawer half full of t-shirts so i got rid of a shit ton of t-shirts that i did not wear you know all these drawers had uh 10 shirts stacked on each side of a drawer or so and i mean i only wore the top three shirts out of each drawer and all the other stuff behind it you know below it just never got worn so i went through them and said fuck it you haven't worn this stuff in 90 days get rid of it so i got rid of it i kept my uh my most famous or likable t-shirts and uh, one of them I have on right now which is my Bruce Lee t-shirt it says uh, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times it's a very true statement that guy will kick you and knock your head off <clears throat> but anyway I got rid of that stuff and then you know I'm looking around the house and I'm, you know, I'm looking at this couch right here that's up here in the studio, which was my uh, my grandfather and grandmother's on my mom's side uh, couch. I'm looking at this uh, this uh, bookshelf that I or media shelf, I guess, is what it was used for when my grandparents said. I'm looking at this that I got sitting here. That you know, how do I get rid of that? I got um, tons of stuff downstairs. I got uh, chairs. I got uh, sewing tables. I've got. Uh, Dress, uh, dressers, I got Chester drawers, I've got, um, I don't know, too many things to mention that I'm like, man, what I do that was, you know, that's been handed down, it's got memories in it. But again, guys, the memories are in your head. Um, these things are just stuff, and we get so consumed with stuff that it takes away from all the other things that we need to be doing. We get consumed with stuff. Get rid of it. What was that thing I had written down here earlier? Let's see. <clears throat> clear the clutter to make room for what's truly important the easiest way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it right um what was the other thing i said uh you can't change the people around you but you can change the people around you love people and use things not the opposite you have to help yourself before you can help others. There's a reason the airlines tell you to adjust your oxygen, your own oxygen mask before helping others. These are just things I wrote down in uh, respect to minimalism. So, um, yeah. So you know the memories in your head, guys. Just uh, get rid of stuff. So I'm I'm going to get rid of a lot of more a lot more stuff. I'm going to finish clearing out my bedroom and then I'm moving into the spare bedroom. Not a whole lot of stuff in there, but there are some things and it's all going out to the garage. And eventually, I didn't get to do it yesterday because I made alternate plans yesterday. But um, I think this weekend coming up, as long as the weather cooperates, I'm having a yard sale or a garage sale. If the weather doesn't co cooperate, I'll pull it into the garage. I'm going to um, be getting rid of a lot of stuff. silence but that was okay I even talked to my oldest son today I called him on the phone or he called me actually <clears throat> and we were talking about all the gym equipment I have 
because my entire garage, my two-door garage, is nothing but gym equipment. Uh, you know, I have a wooden dummy out there, a Wing Chun wooden dummy. I have a heavy bag. I have a, another kicking apparatus. <coughs> Excuse me. Jalapeno. I've got a bench press, um, squat rack um, station, a whole bunch of uh, Olympic uh, bars and weights, kettlebells, dumbbells. I got a Bowflex Revolution sitting out there. Medicine balls, yoga mats. I have a rope. <clears throat> I have a stretching um, pulley that I use for stretching for kicks and stuff. I have uh, a pull-up bar attached to the ceiling. Just tons of stuff. And I asked my son, you know, because I'm thinking about moving out there, and, and I would move in with him for a little bit until I secured my own place out there and, and did some research of the real estate options. <clears throat> I asked him what I should bring. He's already got half of his garage as a gym as well because, you know, he's, excuse me, got a degree in fitness wellness and uh, does a lot of working out too. So, you know, he just pretty much told me to bring the essentials, you know, said he, I, you know, I didn't need the bench press and the squat rack and those type of things. So during that yard sale, I opened the garage up and I'm going to say, hey, you know, here's a few things that are for sale in the garage as well as far as gym equipment. So getting rid of stuff, getting rid of stuff, getting it out of here, man. Too much stuff taking up too much space, taking up too much time, and something, stuff that I'm not utilizing that other people should be able to enjoy. <clears throat> well, hello, Leah. What are you doing under the table, buddy? Huh? Well, since you're sitting there, that will bring me to my next topic. I had, um, had somebody tell me I should talk about dogs tonight for some reason, and that's why Leah's in the studio, because she's a dog, right? You're a dog, licking my finger. <clears throat> But I was just going to go through a little bit of history of, uh, of dogs with me, I guess. It's probably kind of boring, but I think it's interesting. And we're going to talk about it. And then at the end of this thing, we're going to do a couple ads. It just reminded me, saw this business card here for Slayton Johnson's uh, rafting, but we'll get to that. Let me take a little sip and we'll get on to this next. Uh, thanks, Leah, for reminding me that we're going to talk about that. So dogs, right? I mean, they're pretty therapeutic. I can tell you that firsthand, for sure. And, you know, that old saying, a boy and his dog, right? I mean, I've, I've loved a dog ever since I can remember. <clears throat> God, that jalapeno has really got me phlegmy right now. I'm sorry for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, clearing my throat on the mic the whole time. It's probably aggravating as hell. Um, you know, growing up, I don't know. I didn't have a real good time with dogs, to be honest. We had a, um, oh, God. Now I can't remember what the damn dog was. It's a, um, my younger brother and his his wife, Susan, have one, Cocker Spaniel. So that's the first dog I ever remember growing up when I, we lived in Glen Terrace down in North Charleston. The first dog I ever remember is a, I can't remember the name, but I remember a Cocker Spaniel. And I remember... You know, and it's probably just because dogs just don't like kids too much. You know, little kids because they're kind of buggy and they pull their hair and they choke them and they sit on them and they try and ride them and do all this other kind of stuff. So they dogs probably get aggravated. Some of them are pretty chill and and tolerable tolerate it, but some of them don't. And I remember this cocker spaniel did not like me for whatever reason. I don't really recall that I did anything really 
hardcore to this dog to make it not like me, but I remember just anytime I went around it, it growled at me or it snipped at me or something. But no matter how many times I got growled at or snipped at, I still went back to try and pet that dog and love that dog and lay on that dog and put my head on it and sleep with it and carry it around the house and whatever. I just loved the dog. I was like, man, I want, I want this dog to like me. And it just did not like me. We went through a couple other dogs. You know, that's the only one I remember there in Glen Terrace. <clears throat> and then I remember uh, we moved to Pepper Hill. And we had, we still had either that Cocker Spaniel or we got another Cocker Spaniel. They liked Cocker Spaniels at that point in time. Um, so I think we had another one and I think that one didn't like me either. And it would snip at me and it would growl at me and it didn't, didn't want anything to do with me. And then... You know, I mentioned in a previous one that uh, previous podcast that my grandparents, my mom's on my mom's side, lived there in Pepper Hill with us. And when I would go over there and get those moon pies, um, they had two Sharpays. Um, one was named Taipan, I think. And the other one was maybe Ling Ling. I don't know. They were, you know, some weird names just for the style of the dog, the Sharpay. Had these real, you know, smushed in noses, and they're always, you know, hacking and having trouble breathing. I don't know. It wasn't a good breed of dog, I don't think. Real hairy, bushy, super light dogs, but those dogs didn't like me either. <clears throat> they would, um, especially if they were in my grandmother's lap, you know, she would sit in her chair or recliner and watch TV. And if they were up in her lap and you just came within three feet of her, and even looked like you were going to approach that chair, they would snarl and you'd see their teeth come out and these you know, two just uh, fangs coming out of their mouth like they were just going to bite on your carotid artery and just tear you open and you're going to bleed to death. So you didn't come anywhere close to my grandmother. Um, otherwise, they were okay. I mean, if they were around in the kitchen while she was cooking or something, you could go in, you could get down on the floor and you could kind of pet them a little bit and get get deep into that thick hair that mane that they had <clears throat> so they were okay but they were very protective as well and, and <clears throat> I was very cautious about touching them or approaching them I had to you know you really had to kind of feel it out and see what kind of mood they were in um, then I guess I was about seven years old maybe eight or something I used to always think I was five but I wasn't five I've realized now that my timeline was off after talking to my brother a few months ago, I've, I've been telling this story all my life and saying that I was five years old. But now, I believe I was somewhere seven, eight-ish um, when this happened. I, I have to ask my mother. She probably knows better than I do. But I was down the street, <clears throat> probably, I don't know, seven or eight houses down the street uh, toward the woods, toward the, the elementary school there. It doesn't matter, top, you know, the geography of it, but... I was down at a guy's house named Lou. He was a couple years older than me, but we used to hang out a little bit when I was a kid. We'd run the streets together and ride bikes and stuff, but mainly I'd go down to his house and we'd just hang out in the backyard doing whatever. I don't know. I don't even remember what we did. We just hung out. We just had a good time just hanging out and chit-chatting and talking to each other. But at his house, the house next door to him had a, um, a German Shepherd. You know, just a regular, like you would see a working dog for the police department or whatever, a German Shepherd. And it was over on the other side of the fence, chain link fence. And I would go over occasionally and talk to the dog. We might have agitated the dog a little bit sometimes too, but 
Sometimes I go over and I just stick my hand over the fence and I pet it a little bit. I go back and do whatever. Well, one day we were over there. <clears throat> I remember I, I didn't have any shoes on. You know, kids didn't wear shoes back then. I had no shoes on. It's not relevant to the story. Um, I climbed up onto the chain link fence. I'm on the fence and I'm over there with the German Shepherd just petting it nice and easy. Hey puppy, how you doing? I didn't even know the dog's name. I've petted it a, a, a million times. I pet it probably eight times, nine times, ten times. I see a little snarl come up on his mouth, her mouth. I don't know if it was a boy or a girl. I see a little snarl come up. I just keep petting it. You know, I'm on its head. All of a sudden, that motherfucker didn't want me petting anymore. Just came up and just bit my finger, bit my hand. I didn't know what happened. I knew it kind of stung for a second. And... Um, I jumped down off the fence and I'm like, holy shit. And then I pulled my hand up like this and this finger right here, I don't know if the camera can see it, but it's, uh, there's a little bit of it missing. This finger right here, I pulled my hand up for a second because I'm like, what's going on with my hand? It feels funny. Blood is just spurting out of this finger. Bam, bam, bam. Like this, this vein is, or this artery is just spurting blood like big time. So it didn't even hurt. I mean, it felt a little funny. That's why I pulled it up, but it didn't hurt until I saw that blood pouring out of it. I'm like, ah, and I started screaming and yelling. Lou comes running out the house. He was in the house for some reason. He uh, tells me to go home. So here I am. I'm holding my hand. I'm running down the street in my bare feet all the way down, eight or nine houses to my house. I take a right into my driveway. I go up. I go through the back fence, chain link fence as well, through the gate. Go around to the back door. We didn't use the front door. Go around to the back door, run into the house, and I scream for my mom. My mom comes down the stairs, or she might be sitting right there in the in the in the den at the time, and uh, <clears throat> sees the blood coming, spurting out of my hand. Oh my God! Come into the bathroom, so I get into the bathroom. She takes a washcloth, she gets some warm water running, she gets the washcloth all soaked up and wet, and wrings it out, sticks it over the top of my hand, puts pressure on it jumps me in the car i think she uh, pulled a couple towels or whatever put it in my lap we jump in the car and we head off to the hospital get to the hospital um of course there's no other piece to my finger i mean you know, you know the piece to my finger is in the dog's mouth and the dog's belly down the street so <clears throat> get to the hospital they um stop the bleeding they stitch everything up they uh, put a cast on me so I don't mess with it, and that's it. I got uh, a little bit less of a finger. I mean, it's probably, I don't know, a half an inch off of my left uh, ring finger. And, again, dogs just don't, uh, I love dogs, but they just did not seem to agree with me. A few, I don't know, months later, And I didn't even plan any of this story. This is not even anything I had written down, but <clears throat> I went way back. A few months later, I'm standing in the driveway. The neighbors, I think it was the neighbors across the street, uh, the Flannerys, their dog comes across the street, or it might have been the house directly across from me, and I can't remember who, what their names were. This little dog comes over. I think it was kind of like a poodle, but it, I don't think it was a poodle, but it, it similar to a poodle maybe. I don't know. It's a white dog kind of curly hair, tiny, comes over and it's in the driveway. And I'm in the driveway, so I said, okay, I'm going to bend down, I'm going to pet this dog. So I squat down right in front of it, 
and I'm sitting there just kind of petting this dog, <clears throat> looking it right in his face, petting it. Oh, hey, puppy, puppy. I might have even knew his name, and I'm, I'm calling his name, you know, talking to him, her, whatever. All of a sudden, this dog jumps up and latches onto my nose and starts biting my nose off my face. I'm like, what is wrong with dogs, man? Why don't dogs like my energy? And I'm not, I'm not sure why. So I had a couple puncture marks on my nose, three of them, I think, to, to, to be specific. Um, and that's really all I recall. There was another dog that my grandmother had. Um, uh, what was that dog's name? It was a Silky Terrier. And he was even worse than the, uh, this, um, the uh, other dogs, whatever those fucking dogs were. It was even worse than that dog as far as protection of, of my grandmother. If you came up to that dog when she was in the recliner, you know, within five feet, that dog was about to kill you, about to rip your throat out. So, but dogs, man, I think dogs are great companions, and a lot of people have them. Um, first dog that was actually mine, we had moved out of Pepper Hill at this point. We had moved to Somerville back in 1986. <clears throat> long time ago and I don't remember exactly how it happened but I remember I was in the house and my mom or my dad one of the two told me to come outside to the front yard and when I came out to the front yard there was this tiny 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 golden retriever puppy just the most beautiful orange uh, light orange uh, coat on it just a beautiful beautiful puppy and I walked out and I I think I was in just some shorts and no t-shirt or whatever. Um, I squatted down on the on the driveway and this dog just came up and just gave me such great loving and licks and cuddles and it was just the best thing ever. And come to find out, they had bought this dog for me. So this was my, my first dog. I named him uh, Wonder. I don't know why. Um, at the time, I just thought, it was a wonderful pup, a wonderful puppy. So I named it Wonder. It was Wonder Pup. Coincidentally, I had a pickup truck at that at that time. It was a 1982 Zuzu Pup, P-U-P. It was a diesel long bed uh, pickup truck. So I also named my car the Wonder Pup. So I had the Wonder Pup and I had a Wonder Pup. I actually put, you know, people back in the day, they used to put, um, you don't see it much anymore unless it's like a saline Mustang or something, you might see it. But it used to be people would put these um, little six-inch banners on their windshield. You know, they might say Ford. It might it might have some kind of cute saying on it. Um, it might say, you know, Cadillac, whatever. Some people just had the six-inch um, just tent going across. So you had this little thing that kind of blocked the sun a little bit, you know. Um, in conjunction with your uh, sun visor. Well, mine, I had custom made to say Wonder, and I had Wonder across the front of my truck. So it was the Wonder Pup truck, and then I had Wonder, the Wonder Pup dog. So that was my first dog. And <clears throat> had that dog, uh, I don't remember what year we got it, maybe 87 or something, I don't know. So I had that dog throughout my high school years there at Somerville. And then I joined the Air Force, and I didn't want to take the dog with me because I couldn't, you know, through basic training and through technical school. So 
did that, left the dog there at my parents' house. They had uh, another dog at the time, so had companionship and somebody to hang out with, had a great yard to play around in. Around in. Excuse me, man. So the Wonder Pup stayed there. I went off and did my Air Force thing. Uh, we came back and got stationed in Georgia, and uh, we started off in a townhouse there, and then we finally uh, actually bought a house, but the house didn't have a yard. Had a yard, but it didn't have a fence, so we didn't have a place to keep a dog in either one of those places. So the dog continued to stay at my parents' house. We'd visit. Every other month, we probably came back home when we lived in Valdosta. So I got to visit the dog quite often, come home and play with him all the time. And then one time I came home, and, and my dad told me that Wonder wasn't doing very well. And I can't remember how old. She wasn't very old. I mean, I want to say 10, maybe 11. You know, this dog was supposed to live 14, 15 years, maybe 14. Um, I want to say maybe 10 years. I, I can't recall. But I came home, and he's like, man, Wonder's not doing very well. And I went out to the backyard, and she was having trouble um, seeing stuff from her right side. So if you approach her on the right side, she would get very skittish and scared, she might growl at you. She might turn and try and nip at you or something. Uh, if you came at her from the left, it was okay. Um, so we figured she must have had a stroke or something, and something had happened that affected her right side. Um, and she would just, sometimes she would just go in circles. I mean, she would, she couldn't walk a straight line. She would, you'd see her out there just kind of going in circles. So we eventually decided we needed to take her in. And I think my, my dad did. I wasn't even there. I had to go back back to Valdosta. And, and my dad ended up taking her into the to the vet. Man, I don't know. You know, why, why am I going to get emotional about this? It's so long ago. But she, um, she had a tumor in her brain. So <clears throat> that's what was affecting her vision and causing those symptoms and stuff. So they had to put her down. And uh, I wasn't there for it. My dad was there. He sat with her, you know, while they while they put her to sleep and comfort her. And she, he was there with her. So anyway, <clears throat> that was my first dog. And then, like I said, I was down there in Valdosta, Georgia. We had rented a townhouse for about six months, and then we decided to buy a house. My ex-wife and I. We bought a house. Um, $58,000. I can't remember the square footage. I want to say 1,200 square foot house or something. Had no, it had a pond off of the back of the house that was kind of shared by about seven or eight houses that went about, that run around this pond and everybody's, you know, property line went out into the middle of that pond. <clears throat> but I had no fence and we kept saying we we're going to put a fence up. We never did. And I call it the dog roulette years. I mean, we just went through so many dogs that we, we, we wanted, we really wanted the dog. We really wanted the dog, like super, super big time wanted the dog. But we just had no way to care for a dog. We were both working full time in the Air Force. We had to be to work at 7.30. We didn't get off until 4.30 every day. Um, we were busy, busy, busy. We had just uh, gotten pregnant, so we had a kid on the way. And we got the first dog, uh, Sydney, and as a puppy, I can't, it was just a mutt dog. It was, um, 
It's not quite as big as what a retriever would be, you know, golden retriever or a lab. It's smaller than that, 50-pound dog or something maybe. But we got Sydney. We tried forever to kind of housebreak it and, and make it a house dog. We really didn't know anything about crating dogs at the time. We probably should have just crated it, and we, we would have been fine. But we didn't have enough time to spend with a dog. We didn't have a backyard to put him out, so we had to go walk if we had to. We had to walk him if we had to, to let him out to do things. Uh, we didn't have time to properly train him. Anyway, long story, we got rid of Sydney. We actually gave him to our next-door neighbor who this these neighbors had a house that was one of the original houses on this plantation land and that they did not sell and they had a real house you know all these other houses were kind of cookie cookie cutter style houses built around that house so they had this giant fenced in backyard so we gave them sydney so it was kind of a win-win they got a dog and we still got to see our dog we just went and played with it we didn't have to take care of it so Sydney was over there. We decided once again, well, which was kind of rude probably because Sydney's sitting here looking at all this and watching us bring home other dogs when we didn't keep him. But we ended up getting this uh, hound dog named Bo. And we said, ah, we can keep this as an even smaller dog. This should be an even easier dog to take care of. So we put Bo in the house. Bo just shed too much. My, uh, my ex-wife, wife at the time, had allergies. So a dog that shed, same thing with Sydney. That's why we were trying to keep, we needed to keep him outside. So we, that's why we got rid of him. Bo shed even more than Sydney did. So we ended up um, buying a dog house. We had just a, a small little um, brick patio covered off of the back porch. Wasn't uh, closed in or anything, so it wasn't climate controlled, but just a little offshoot off of the back door so we put a little uh, doghouse out there we kind of chained them um to the doghouse you know you come in and out during the day a little bit but mostly sat outside and i didn't like it so i said uh we're gonna get rid of Bo because this isn't the life for a dog so we got rid of Bo. my parents said hey we got a dog for you that's uh that does not shed it can be an inside dog um, we'll go pick it up if you want it. It's up in, uh, you know, a certain place up above Charleston somewhere, Somerville. So they say, you know, if you want us to, we'll go get it. And I said, okay, I'll surprise Brandy with it. So me and my buddy, uh, Brian Sumter, we take off on a road trip to go to Somerville to pick up this dog. So we go get it. It's a mixture of a schnauzer and, uh, and a poodle. So I immediately named it cleverly Snoodles. We uh, drive back with the dog. I get back to the house. Surprise! I got this dog for you. My wife's like, what the hell? This is the ugliest damn dog I've ever seen in my life. Why did you get us a dog? We've already gone through two dogs. We don't need another dog. We, we, don't, keep, we don't keep dogs. You know, why did you do this? And I said, come on, man. I said, we got this dog. My parents found it. It's a great dog. It's beautiful. It's a mixture between this and this. It doesn't shed. It's not going to bother your allergies at all. We can keep it in the house. So we keep this dog in the house. Again, there wasn't a big thing about crating at the time, so we didn't crate the dog. We just kind of said, okay, we're going to trust you, Snoodles. Just relax. We're both going to go to work. We'll come back and play with you when we get home. Well, Snoodles didn't wait till we get home. got home to play. Snoodles 
ravaged the entire house every damn day that we were gone. Every day we came home, something else was, you know, plant was knocked over and all the, all the potting soil was out all over the place. The entire um, tablecloth is pulled off of the, the kitchen table and everything on the table with it. Um, cushions off the couch, you know, whatever. Stuff to, uh, chewed up, shoes gone. Um, snoodles was just terrorizing everything. And again, we didn't think to, to get a crate and crate them. I don't know what we were thinking. We were young. We were stupid. Next thing you know, Snoodles got to go. Snoodles is out of here. And the, the wife didn't like Snoodles anyway. No matter what Snoodles was doing, she didn't like it. So, then we get, um, then we get some other dog. We got a, I said, okay, my parents, um, growing up, we also had, I didn't mention these dogs, but we also had a, a Yorkshire Terrier and we had um, a, a couple Silky Terriers. <clears throat> And they were some of my favorite dogs that we ever had. Uh, we had one that was kind of retarded that was named Sydney, and that's why I named the first dog that we got Sydney after that dog. But it was a sibling of um, Hillary, which was a dog that uh, my parents had. So she had puppies, and this was one of the siblings, and it was one of the runts of the, of the litter. And it gotten stuck and, you know, stayed inside a little bit too long, got a little brain damage, I think. So it was a little retarded. But it was still a cool dog. Had a little bit of a bum leg as well because it got caught up on the way out. My favorite dog ever. I love that dog. And that's why I named you know this dog after, after Sydney. So anyway, the next dog that we got, I said, well, let's get a Silky Terrier. Those dogs were always great. My parents had them. They were very well trained. They were very disciplined. They didn't mess up the house. They didn't eat anything. So let's get a Silky Terrier. Maybe that's the type of dog we need. We get this Silky Terrier. This thing was probably, I don't know, 10 pounds. Beautiful dog. Was the worst dog out of any of them. I mean, that dog could tear up Berlin. I don't know. Does that even make sense? That dog was just a terror. That dog was like a little miniature Hitler. Maybe that's where I was going with that. Um, this dog was not good. That dog lasted maybe a week, maybe two so we just we didn't have good luck with dogs. We just weren't ready for dogs. We were too young for dogs. We wanted dogs, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be to have a dog. Fast forward to 1999. We've moved out of Valdosta. We now have two kids. Uh, we move into a house at Sumter Air Force Base where we actually have a backyard with a fence. It's fenced in. I'm laying on the couch one day. Uh, I think I was taking a nap after a hard day of work. I was an Air Force recruit at the time. Next thing I know, something's licking my face. And we have a miniature schnauzer, female, that my sons and my wife had just bought me for a birthday present. So now I have a new dog. So we have uh, Samantha is her name. We named her Samantha was a fantastic dog. She lived to the ripe age of, uh, I want to say 16. She just died a few years ago, right after the divorce. So we had that dog almost as long as we had, you know, the kids, the two kids. Both of them were only, you know, toddler stages when we moved to Sumter. So we had Samantha, uh, like I said, a birthday present. Then we moved to um, Fantastic Dog. We had a great time with her for a few years there in Sumter. Then we got uh, moved to Illinois. 
got to Illinois. Samantha's still a great, great dog, very disciplined, very trained. Although if you opened the door and you weren't looking, she'd scurry out between your legs and you'd be on a wild chase for quite a while trying to get Samantha back while she roamed the neighborhood um, until you could trick her into letting you pick her up and then you take her home and scold her and she'd go back in the house and be fine again. We go down to the local pet store one day there in Illinois and they're having an adoption, a little get together, a little gathering, whatever event. And my kids want another dog. I said, okay, well, we'll get another dog. I, I don't, I don't remember if the wife was with us at the time or not. I don't think so because she never really did like Sophie much. So I think that was resentment because she didn't help pick that dog out. But anyway, we went to this adoption thing and we, we pull up to this one cage and there's two dogs in there, two black dogs. There's a male and a female, they're brother and sister. And uh, it's kind of the dogs we fell in love with. And I said, okay, I said, we can only get one of these dogs, guys. So you guys pick out which one you want. They picked out the uh, female. It was a Newfoundland Retriever Shepherd mix, is what the paperwork said. We paid 75 bucks. Uh, we got her microchipped and everything. 75 bucks out the door. Dog was ours. Took her home. Samantha and Sophie, inseparable, the best friends ever. They they did great together. We got Sophie in 2003. So Samantha was already what. Uh, four years old at the time. Samantha was definitely like a, a big sister to Sophie, even though Sophie was 80 pounds and Samantha was like 17 pounds. Uh, Samantha r ran the roost. And she's not even a chicken. She's a dog. But Samantha ran the show. She taught Sophie everything that, sh that she knew. They were inseparable. They did everything together. They played together. They had a great time together. They slept together. Um... It's a long story about dogs, but what I'm just trying to say is dogs are fantastic. They're great companions. They um, <clears throat> moved with us to Alaska. We spent six and a half years up there. They loved, absolutely loved the snow. They would go out and you'd, they'd, we'd have a big snow out there. We'd have four or five inches of snow on the ground. And um, we'd let them out the side door of the garage and just let them, we didn't have a fence there either, but they were they were very well controlled there uh, in Alaska. We'd let them out the door, the side door, and they'd go scurrying up the, the little hill to the backyard. And Samantha would get lost. She was so tiny. She, she'd leap and she'd go back underneath the snow and she'd leap and she'd go underneath the snow and she'd leap and go underneath the snow. And uh, Sophie would run up and of course she's, she's a lot bigger. So the snow would maybe just, you know, would cover her legs, but she was black. And just that black and white contrast was very cool. And then sometimes uh, Sophie would kind of get buried underneath the snow as well. Just she'd duck down and kind of go low and she'd get covered with all this uh, white powder. And she became this kind of black and white dog that was very awesome. But uh, I used to love to watch them go out there and just frolic in the snow and jump around. And they just had a, the best time. And ev eventually Samantha would have enough of it. Her feet, her paws would get kind of cold, I guess, and she'd come kind of tiptoeing back into the garage and say, okay, that's enough for me. But um, we had a great time, and then we moved to um, Alaska. Or, I'm sorry, we were in Alaska. We moved to Las Vegas, <clears throat> and totally different, of course, terrain and weather. So they had to learn how to deal with um, the heat, 
In this house, we decided to, to put a doggy door in, or there was a doggy door there already, and so they could kind of come in and out at will. So very, very well controlled. Had a nice big fenced-in backyard with a pool. Uh, they go out. They got too hot. They come back in, and they had a great time there. And then, of course, uh, we got divorced. So my uh, wife ended up taking the um, the miniature Schnauzer. That was her favorite, even though it was my birthday present. It was my dog, but that was her favorite. So she wanted to take that dog with her. She wasn't real fond of Sophie. She loved Sophie. I mean, don't get me wrong, but she just didn't like Sophie for for whatever reason. She didn't like her. And uh, so we split the dog. She took the, the miniature Schnauzer. I took Sophie, the Newfoundland. She had black. She was. She had black fur and the real thick, you know, curly fur, kind of like a like a Newfoundland does. Uh, had the tongue of a Newfoundland, but her body style was like a golden retriever. So she was pretty much a black golden retriever. Is what it looked like. Very cool dog. So she went with me. Um, like I said, a few years after the divorce. Samantha finally died at um, 16, I believe. And then just a year and a few months ago, April of last year, 2017, uh, my girl Sophie died. Um, and that was rough. That was rough for me because, you know, I'd gotten divorced. I had uh, had retired. I'd moved away from both of my kids and came back out here to Somerville, um, had bought a place, and it was just, just Sophie and I. And she was my one constant. She was my companion. And, you know, I used to lay with her on the ground all the time. I'd say, man, Sophie, thank you for being here. Thank you for not judging me. Thank you for loving me unconditionally, and no matter what I do, no matter how mean I might be or how in a bad mood I might be or if I'm crying or if I'm whatever, you, she loved me unconditionally. And that's, that's the great thing about pets in general, but specifically about dogs. They just, they don't care. Every day they're just waiting for you to come home. Every day they're just waiting for you to give them some attention and some love and they're, and they're going to give it back to you tenfold. And dogs are just great companions. And I love them. And a lot of people don't understand how I have such a fondness for dogs after the way the dogs treated me as I, as I grew up and, you know, missing part of my finger because of a dog. They don't. And I wanted to be a veterinarian at one point, actually. That was the very first thing I ever decided I wanted to do was be a veterinarian. And I think it was after all those things. Somehow I just uh, had some kind of bond with animals. And, uh, of course, I didn't pursue that, but uh, I kind of wish I would have it at some times. But, but anyway, yeah, I used to... Man, it killed me when Sophie died because she was, she was my companion. And again... She was 14 years old, so she was like another one of my kids. I mean, I grew up with both of these dogs along with my kids, and they were part of the family. So when she died, it was devastating. <clears throat> she was having some problems, you know, shortly before then, and um, I, knew it was, I knew it was getting close to time, but I didn't expect it to be that. I went, to, I went out one night, and... I don't know. She had been acting a little funny that day, 
just kind of weird and wanted a lot of attention. And um, anyway, I went out and uh, went out with some friends, had a good time. And um, when I came back to the house, I, you know, as I always did, I'd come in the back door and, or the garage door and I'd ask, you know, I'd call for her and say, hey, Sophie, come here. What's up, buddy? And she'd come, she'd usually come running over or sometimes she'd hear the car pull up and she'd already be sitting there at the door waiting on me. So I come in and I called and I called and I called. Couldn't, uh, she didn't come. And sometimes she wouldn't come. Sometimes she'd be laying down and just didn't feel like getting up. You know, she was an old dog. So sometimes she didn't feel like getting up and I'd have to walk around the corner and, and just find her laying there, just taking a nap or whatever. And she'd look at me like, yeah, I heard you come in, but <laughs> I'm not moving. I was relaxing. So anyway, I call and call for her. Couldn't find her. I walk around to a couple of different rooms where I thought she might be. I didn't see her. Um, had two doggy doors, so she could go in and out. So I said, okay, well, maybe she's uh, just roaming around the backyard or went out to go to the bathroom or whatever. And I go out and um, I turn on the, the back light so I can see. Well, I didn't at first. I walked out and just was calling her, and she wasn't she she wasn't coming. So I turned on the the back lights because it's uh, after midnight at this point. And I go to walk down. I got stairs on both sides of the porch that go to different sides of the yard. So I walk down the stairs on the right. As I'm walking down the stairs, there's Sophie laying there. And, you know, I knew she was dead, but, of course, you don't want her to be, so. I talked to her, I tried to rouse her, trying to get her up or whatever. And she just wasn't moving, so, you know. Anyway. So I ended up calling my dad, and, of course, I felt bad, because I'm like, man, I knew she wasn't feeling well, and I, I should have stayed home, and I should have been with her. should have been with her when, when she passed away but you know I wasn't so nothing I can do about it so I call my dad it's about 12 30 at night I guess and I say hey would you mind coming over helping me bury my dog so anyway I wasn't wasn't supposed to get all broken up about this I was just going to tell a story about dogs but so anyway, he comes over, um, he says, absolutely, I'll drop whatever, and uh, I'll be over there, so. He comes over, and we bury Sophie in the backyard, so Sophie's back there, just kind of living, living large out there in the Zen Garden, she's got a bunch of, a bunch of flowers growing over the top of her. So, fast forward, uh, from April to September 5th of that year, last year, 2017, almost a year ago. the My birthday, actually, September 4th, I go down to the Charleston Animal Society and decide it's time for me to get another dog. I've grieved enough, and uh, it's time for me to get another companion, somebody else to, to help me 
through the next uh, 14, 15, 16 years, hopefully. So I go down. I had a couple, had seen a couple guys on on the website that I wanted to go look at. I get down there. Um, I didn't really care for those two. They were a little too rambunctious. You know, a lot of the cages you walk by, they're either barking at you or they're jumping up on the on the cage, and they were just there was too much energy going on for a lot of those animals. And I walked by this one cage. The name on the cage said Leia, uh, or said Princess Leia. Actually, is what it said. <laughs> And uh, I walk by and I peer into the cage and there's this dog just sitting there, uh, perfectly, you know, in a, in a sitting position, perfectly symmetrical, uh, head cocked, maybe a little bit, just kind of just kind of staring out the fence, uh, not right up on the fence, but a little bit back from the fence and walked up, didn't bark, didn't run at the cage and jump up on it, didn't, uh, wasn't rambunctious. Excuse me. Look in her uh, little cage area. None of the toys were devastated and ripped to shreds, and there wasn't uh, water spilt all over the cage. I mean, it was a very, very well kept uh, area. Like this dog was, you know, disciplined. This dog had some, had some, uh, some style to it. So <clears throat> the dog kind of spoke to me, and I, I went and got one of the people, and I said, "Hey, can I get, can I get this dog and take it into a room and and check it out?" So my mom was with me. And um, we go into this room and started playing with Leia, and I fell in love with her. I didn't have the stuff I needed to take her home that particular day, so I said, hey, can you hold on to this dog, and I'll come back and get it tomorrow? And they said, well, we'll try, but I can't, we can't guarantee it that it'll be here. And I said, well, I'll come back tomorrow. If, it's, if she's not here, then it wasn't meant to be, and I'll do something else. So came back the next day. Leia was still there still sweet still just kind of chilling i said come on you're going home with me and the rest is history now leah's down here sitting at my feet in the studio listening to me talk talk about her she probably probably got a big head down there now but so anyway a long story just to say uh, dogs are fantastic you know and leah spoke to me and uh, I've taken her out into the backyard. I've introduced her to Sophie and uh, had a long talk with Sophie. And I said, hey, I need you to train this dog. I need, you know, when, when Leia comes out in this backyard, I need you to speak to her and I need you to, to train her. And I, I want you to teach her the ways of Sophie because Sophie was a fantastic dog. One of the best dogs I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And the funny thing is, I think she... <laughs> She has talked to Leia because I feel like they're they're not even close to the same dog breed-wise, but I feel like there's a lot of similarities to the way Leia acts and responds um, and the way Sophie did and the sweetness and the, the calm and the gentleness and whatever. I think they're very similar personality-wise, so it's kind of weird. But, you know, dogs just make us better, I think. I think I'm better with a dog. Um, and you can tell a lot about a character of a person by how they treat animals as well. If you, if you ever notice that, I mean, if you see somebody that's real rude to an animal or, uh, talks down to an animal or yells at an animal or, uh, mistreats an animal, that person is usually not a very good person altogether. They don't just mistreat animals. They mistreat everybody. So, um, 
But one of the things I kind of want to talk about, because this is a show about uh, craft beer, which I'll take another sip of uh, this Boone Creek from Appalachian Mountain Brewing. As it's warmed, I get more of that uh, citrus that's supposed to be in there. The honey's kind of backed off a little bit as it's warmed up. But but anyway, there's a lot of dog-friendly places around town, actually, that you can take your dog and drink beer at the same time. <clears throat> Um, and you know, something else that's weird to me is all these places you go, they say they're dog friendly. Well, why are they not cat friendly? Why are they not pig friendly? I mean, why is this higher? What is this hierarchy of animals that only dogs are allowed to go to certain places? You don't see a place where you, although there are places I've seen, I think it's in California or some different areas that they have cat bars where you can actually take cats, but it's not really a big thing. It might take off eventually, but I, I doubt it. But most places you go, they're dog friendly, and that's it. You can't bring any, you can't bring your ferret. You know, if you got a hamster, um, you know, wearing some bling or something, you can't bring it. No guinea pigs allowed. Your sloth is 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 you know off limits. But I don't know what the hierarchy is. You know, there is a place, uh, Holy City Brewing Company. You can no longer bring, no longer is allow, no longer allows dogs. I think they had an incident with a dog or something, and they just decided for uh, legal reasons. They're just going to give it up. But they do have a house cat or mascot cat called Mr. Meow. So I think it's pretty funny. That's about the only place I know that has a cat. But you can't bring a cat, but they have a cat. But some places around town, um, like Frothy Beer. Frothy Beer used to be over in North Charleston, and now they've moved over to West Ashley in a, in a new location, new building. You can't bring dogs in there anymore. You used to be able to bring your dogs out to the old location. They even had a... Um, dog named Murphy that was kind of their mascot. It was one of the owner's dogs that they even named a beer after. They called him Big Head Murphy because he had a huge head. I can't remember the style dog he is. He's still alive. But he's not allowed in the brewery anymore. They got, uh, you know, new DHEC rules over there at Frothy. But they do have an outside deck that you can bring your dog. Um, Holy City, like I said, you used to be able to bring your animals outside, but now you can't. Uh, Common House Ale Works, you can bring dogs. Oak Road Brewing Company, you can bring dogs. Craft Conundrum, um, Low Tide, Revelry Brewing Company, Palmetto, all these places allow dogs. Um, but nothing else, no pigs, no salamanders, no kangaroos. Um, the Barrel over in James or John's Island, I think it's John's Island, They've actually got a huge outdoor area that's pretty much a dog park, and they've even got a timeout area. So if your dog's being naughty or rude or bad to other dogs, you can put them in timeout over there. But it's a, it's a pretty big area, pretty big place for people to take their dogs. And every time I've been out there, I've seen a lot of scuffles. It's kind of a, it's kind of crazy. It's like, it's almost like, a, it's almost like a prison prison yard. <laughs> These dogs are out there just trying to trying to uh, shiv, it, shiv each other. But anyway, all I'm saying is dogs just make us better. Pets just make us better in general, but specifically dogs. Dogs are just, uh, they're something else, man. They're so loyal and they're never in a bad mood. You know, a cat, you'll get a cat that's pissed off sometimes. You'll get a cat that's just not having it, that wants nothing to do with you. But dogs, they're pretty much... They want your love any time of the day, anytime you want to give it to them. They're begging for it. So. 
What else, guys? That's enough about enough about animals. Damn, we're uh, we're an hour and nineteen minutes in. We haven't even talked about anything. What have we talked about? What have we talked about? I'm gonna finish up with this, and then I'm gonna go because it's. I don't want to keep. I'm trying not to do the two-hour thing we used to do, man. It's just too much time. But you know, it's it's Monday night, and this is gonna be a Tuesday release. So I try and I try and always incorporate something. You know, David Goggins. I've talked about him a couple times now. Just one of my idols, man. He's inspirational. I just I, he's a little intense for some people, but I like his mindset. I like his. I like the way his, where his head's at. I like what he's thinking where he's going with stuff. It's not for everybody, but so what I'm trying to do is incorporate um, what David says in, into my Tuesday podcast. And for some reason, it's not pulling up here, but come on, man. Facebook, do it. There he is. All right, public figure, David Goggins. <clears throat> so what he posted today was, come on. Why is this thing so slow? Thank you guys for bearing with me. And by the way, you know, I said Sophie's buried in my backyard. I think, I think Wonder, no, I don't think Wonder was buried in my parents' backyard. I think because he went and was put to sleep. So I think they took care of uh, Sophie's body. But as you go to my grandparents' house, although they've sold that now that my grandmother died uh, a couple years ago, but if you go in her backyard, it was like pet cemetery back there. I mean, I think every every animal they ever owned um, is buried in that backyard. It's, it's quite a few of them. Um, so what did David say today? I'm going to quote David here. He says, <clears throat> Be able to motivate yourself when you have no external stimulation. There's nothing wrong with a little external motivation to get you going, but we can't rely on it as our primary source of fuel. External motivations help us a lot. Help a lot of us accomplish different tasks. We need to wear headphones in the gym while we run. We love watching TV while we walk on the treadmill, etc. There are many times in your life where those external distractions that help you accomplish whatever the task are no longer are no longer there. Once those beats by Dre are off your head, you are now alone with your own thoughts. What are you going to say to yourself to get you through it then? It is very important that you learn to motivate yourself at any given time. And then he says, people always ask me if I listen to music when I train. I don't because I'm constantly trying to master my own mind. The more time you spend figuring yourself out, the easier it will be for you on your own to do the same job that you used to rely on external distractions to get you through. So, that's where he's at, you know. I mean, most of us, we go to the gym, right? Or we need, a, we need a friend, or we need music, or we need a trainer, or we need a gym, or we need a specific shirt, or whatever, to do our workout. You know, we need to train our minds to do it alone, or in silence, or in the rain, or in the blazing sun, or in a snowstorm, or on our rest day after a long shift at work. We have to callous that brain to train. We can't wait for the perfect trainer, or the gym, or the perfect exercise. We can't wait for the right playlist, or temperature, or time of day. You know, like Apollo Creed says in Rocky Three, when Rocky says he'll do it tomorrow. Apollo Creed says, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Talk to you soon, guys.